Chris. He's done it before. He's doing it again. Demand-based, really leading the account-based marketing space, growing even at their size at a really impressive rate, or at least target rate, 50%, really year over year, uh, between 400 and 600 customers, $156 million raised, about 60-ish of that coming just recently. Uh, well over 75 million bucks in ARR with a target of a, breaking that magical $100 million mark here in 2017. 110% uh, net revenue expansion year over year. Team growing 250 to 300 now. Super healthy uh, split uh, between folks all around the world or on the US. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 units sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year -year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This that database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Chris Golek. He's built three successful technology businesses in the last 18 years. Today, he's founder and CEO of DemandBase, and his mission is to transform B2B advertising, marketing, and sales through innovations in digital technology. Today, hundreds of blue-chip enterprises across the financial services, high-tech manufacturing, healthcare, and telecom industries have adopted DemandBase's B2B marketing platform and account-based marketing technology to dramatically improve the way they acquire and grow customers. Chris, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready to go. So hot space, huh? Yeah, finally, it's uh, really exciting. The last two years, we've seen just a massive uh, shift in interest and adoption, and not just in the high-tech vertical, but across all industries. Yeah, now we had you on, and actually, I misspoke in our pre-interview. It was actually in January of 2017, and you shared some great data with us, right? So so you'd shared you guys at, were at over 400 customers. I think you gave me a minimum, so you maybe you're way above 400 customers, but you're at least 400 customers. Uh, you had shared that uh, you had raised about $90 million in funding at that point, 250 customers. Um, you know, health, you know, revenues well over $70 million annually, you know, and, you know, ARPU's monthly in the 20K range. So you're very much in the enterprise space, you know, 0% logo churn and net negative revenue churn. All that's still the same, or is any of those drastically increased or decreased? No, we continue to grow. We'll, you know, probably see 50% or north growth this year. Um, in so what? In, in revenue, customers, um, the uh, we also just we closed uh, a round of funding of sixty five million um, just in May of this year. So that was obviously pretty recently. That's on top of the ninety million you already closed. 
That's correct. Okay, wow. So about 156 million raised. Walk me through, I mean, what was that process like when, when you sent out, was it inbound or were you seeking capital because you identified a new growth strategy that required additional capital? Uh, actually, a great question because the answer is both. Um, kind of as we got into this year, you know, ABM's category, the interest level has reached the investment community. And so as investors do their research, they discover, you know, demand base is, you know, the largest and pioneered the, the category itself. And uh, so we had a lot of inbound interest. And so um, at the same time, um, we started developing some new innovations using AI and massive data that we're sitting on. And so it really unfolded into a whole new level of innovation that we'll be rolling out, and some of which we're announcing today. Um, so there was a couple drivers for the investment. One, uh, just the timing and level of interest. And two, um, there's a whole next generation of ABM technology that we're, we're rolling out uh, through the rest of this year and, and into next year. So I want to obviously talk more about that in the, in the rest of the interview. Talk about some growth strategies you're, you're using, things like that. But talking very quickly about the overall space. So look, I probably can't say that Tout App was sold for less than $6 million after raising you know 30-ish million, and they're very much in your space. Why are there companies like that where the investors, I mean, it's a total loss for everybody, basically. And then there's companies like you, where you're not only growing growing, but growing 50% year over year and, you know, doubling down on capital raising. Yeah, that's a great question. And just not specifically tout up, but that category is not necessarily ABM. It's a sales development rep tool. There's hundreds of them. Yep. And, you know, that category overall, um, people change and churn those products. I mean, we do. We use a different product every year. <laughs> <laughs> Why is your stickier? Um, Why is the ABM approach you're taking stickier? You know, ABM is more of a, a business process, and our, our position is much more of a platform where we're helping customers throughout the whole life cycle of attracting, engaging, and converting customers and upselling them. So we have multiple products that integrate into all your solutions, and uh, we're solving a big problem for B2B companies because basically the whole B2B marketing segment has been underserved for forever, really. And so we're filling a void that just uh, hasn't been served for so long. Mm -hmm. And where, okay, so uh, for those that did not hear your first interview when you came on the show, tell us just real quick, when did you launch the company, what year? Yeah, so uh, 2007, so the company is just, you know, just about 10 years old. That's great. And I mean, you're, you're really exit at this point, you know, the more you raise the less potential suitors you have, is it IPO or broke? No, I think there's a lot of options because uh, and I also think one of the things that's interesting about ABM, now you have a lot of the large marketing cloud companies starting to, to jump in. Um, like name a few. Uh, uh, Salesforce came out with uh, Einstein ABM. Um, Marketo's come out with an ABM message. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's going to be long before, um, you know, Oracle makes more advancements as well as, you know, SAP and Microsoft. Yeah. And if they feel like they're behind and they want to get a quick jump, you're pretend they have some capital on the table. You're potentially a nice, uh, relationship there. We'll say. Well, and all of those companies are large customers of ours. Yeah, so, that's a great place know, to start. They, they believe in ABM because they're doing it for their own marketing. Did, did any of them participate in the round that you did, or did you do it strategically from like non-strategic, traditional VC kind of folks? Um, yeah, Adobe participated in this round, um, and both Salesforce and Adobe are, are investors in the company. That's great. Okay, so take us back to, I mean, you when you first launched the company, do you remember what you did in terms of first-year revenue? Oh, gosh. 
It was probably three or four hundred thousand. Okay, and then you told us. I think uh, you have to tell me if I'm wrong here, but my notes say last interview we did. You guys, I mean, you broke seventy-five million in 2016 revenue. Is that accurate? Uh, that's not, yeah, exit in the year at about right around that run. Right, we don't we don't disclose you know specific revenues, but you know from a general scale standpoint, yeah. Got it. And so then, we, yeah, we'll just to be this year ahead of 100 million run rate. That's what that's, that's that that was going to be my next question. Did you break that magic number? A lot of folks that I speak to that have raised in the 100 million dollar range, they say you really got to get to about 100 million bucks in ARR before you can seriously consider IPO as even an option. So uh, you did you know 75 million bucks around there in an annual run rate in December 2016, I think is what you said, instead of, you know, total revenue last year, you, you now have already passed this year, or you're going to, by the end of the year, yeah, pass hundred million. By the end of this year, we'll, we'll pass that. That's we'll great. That. And that's yeah, where you get your 50% growth rate. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Talk to me about kind of customer acquisition. So were you always acquiring customers at such a high price point? You know, you told me last time you were at 20 grand a month. Is that still the case? Um, that's the kind of average revenue for customers, it's not necessarily how when they jump on board. So we do have customers that come on board. Um, you know, if they're a small business with um, and they're just buying one product, they they may come on board you know, for two or three thousand dollars a month. Okay. Um, but if you look at how customers come on board and what what they're spending a few years later, it's quite often they're expanding use of our product by using multiple solution areas. We don't have just, we're not a one product company. We yeah. have, you know, products. Well, you shared with me last time you have about 110% net dollar retention kind of year over year. So if someone's paying you a hundred grand in year one, they're going to be paying you 110 grand in year two. Have you, have you increased that? Is it like 115% now, or is it still about the same? No, that's, that's, that's about the same because okay. that's, that's applied to your whole customer base. Remember? So we do have customers that might start at 80 or 90 and then a year later they're spending 300. So, yeah. I mean, we see the gamut. We we have customers now spending several million dollars a year with us. Yep. And what is your customer account today? Uh, you have 500, 400, 450? I don't, I don't have the exact number. What's a range? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably between 400 and 600. 400 and 600. And talk to me about team size. Last time you spoke about eight months ago, you were at 250 folks. What are you at now? We'll be just around 300. Um, you know, they... While we're adding a lot of employees, it, it's it's not scaling with the exact growth. Um, That's a good thing. Do, that means there's efficiencies. It's called, it's called scale. Right? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we'll probably be cash flow break even, you know, somewhere, you know, Q1, Q2 of next year. Okay, so I have to ask you a question about that. From a founder perspective, it's a strength to say that. And especially when you, you I mean, when you say that, I'm looking into your eyes. You I mean, that as a plan you have, you will be break even. You say that at a board meeting to people that just put 60 million bucks in the company. You can't be break even if you're only spending what you're revenue making because you just raised all this capital and told people you want to spend the capital on X, which would make you cash flow negative if you spend that, actually spend the money. How do you, that's a weird yin and yang in terms of keeping leverage on your side versus value valuation talks and things like that. How do you manage that? Yeah, I know that's a great question. It, it's a balance. I mean, we're definitely increasing investment ahead of plan given the new investment, um, mostly in the kind of AI and technology space. But that generates obviously new products that we can go out and sell into our install base and actually make it easier for, for new customers to come on board as well. Yep, that so, makes good sense. Where where will most of that capital go? Is it just going to be R&D product, AI-related stuff? 
Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know, scaling sales, um, our European operation is expanding nicely. Um, so we're going to do more investment there. Um, haven't really contemplated other hold on chris sorry is, is that new last time we spoke you i think you said you have offices in san francisco and russia do you have europe offices now as well no no um we have offices in san francisco seattle and new york okay and london oh interesting i my fault there um seattle yeah. new york oh. and london no that's okay so we had um um you know a handful of people you know at the close of last year and you know that right now we have about 10 or so in london and that's taking off pretty well so abm adoption over in 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 the uk and and western europe is really starting to pick up and then breakdown so that you said the team is around 300 today break that down for me what percentage are engineers versus the inside sales team versus marketing etc Oh gosh, um, you know we probably have you know fifty to sixty quota carrying reps. You know we have twenty twenty five in uh, marketing. You know G and A we might have you know ten to fifteen. When yeah. You add in you know, HR and then um, you know the rest is you know data R and D engineering. Um, that's great. And so uh, the reason I asked that is I want to get a sense of kind of your, the, the scale of your insights or your sales team. So you said 50 to 60 kind of quota carrying, carrying reps um, to get their, you kind know, of fill their plates to hit their quota. How much are you spending in a given month strictly on paid, paid ads, Facebook, Google, things like that, or keynotes, things like conferences? Oh gosh, you know I don't. We wouldn't disclose that, but um, you know I don't even know what it is exactly. Off the it top is a channel. The real, the real question I'm asking there is that a meaningful channel for you guys? Um, Facebook, not so much. I mean, <laughs> the beauty of account-based marketing is you you focus your dollars on the accounts you want to sell into, mm -hmm. and so you know we practice what we preach. And uh, ABM actually allows you to save a lot of money because you're not spraying your dollars across. Uh, people or companies that will never buy your stuff. And, you know, we generally sell into the mid-market large enterprise. Um, so it's not a mass marketing. It's a very laser-targeted um, program. With folks coming in on average, you, you know, you obviously we took an average across your customer base. You said some folks come in at three grand per month, but on average, maybe it's 20 grand per month. Are these folks paying on annual plans or are, are you letting folks pay monthly as well? No, it's they're, they're annual contracts. Okay. And, uh, in uh, some customers will do multi-year contracts as well. And so are you looking at payback periods that are usually pretty instant in terms of cash flows? Um, you know, it ranges, you know, generally, you know, you'd be somewhere between eight and 12 months. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of, sometimes the reason I asked that, and I, I guess you just recently raised capital. So maybe these processes haven't hit, hit you kind of your system yet, but sometimes when people raise the amount of capital you've raised, you start seeing payback periods go a little because you have a belief that you're going to grow LTV and, and you don't mind and you don't have a cash gap issue because you just raised a bunch of capital. So I'm curious if you're being more lenient with your payback period, would you be okay with a 15 or 18 month payback period? Um, yeah, absolutely. And the reason is because we get a, a very high dollar amount per customer yeah. and, you know, 110% net dollar retention. It's, that's okay. You know, if you're selling something for, you know, 20 grand and you have less than a hundred percent retention, that's a, that's a much harder business. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. when you assume lifetime value, it's always tricky over time because you're developing new products all the time, which your team then upsells into, into the customer base. So it's kind of a number that will lie to you easily. But I mean, you, you easily assume lifetime value on most of your folks are going to be well over a quarter of a million, right? Or 400, 500 grand. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, very good. Okay, cool. Last question here before we wrap up with the famous five. What's the weirdest thing you've done, Chris, to acquire customers? So not conferences, not ads, the weirdest thing you've done, even if it was just one customer. Weirdest thing we've done to acquire a customer. Well, 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 I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't do the like the barters where you know you buy our product, we'll buy yours. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. You know, is that a thing? Oh, people do that. All companies, startups do that. All really, time. that's interesting. And, so, like when you look at a Y Combinator company P and L, and you start calling to their customer base, if you're buying because of due diligence, you start realizing you're calling a bunch of other Y Combinator co- companies paying fifty bucks a month. They all, all those things, those deals always unravel because <laughs> the companies are, yeah. So that's it's funny. And that was a big thing back in 2000. Um, so as far as other customer acquisition, um, gosh. Have you ever put on a flamingo suit and 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 danced in a pond somewhere? And I mean, like, what's the weirdest thing? For the right price, I would. No, um, uh, no, I don't. We don't really have any real crazy story like that. Okay. Um, I'll think about it. Okay. Okay. Good. Get back to me if you think of something. I'd be very, I'd be very interested to learn. Guys, I get asked all the time. Nathan, you host all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar back-to-back meetings, I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also, they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Helps me so much. And by the way, look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings, okay? I do them back-to-back very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay, so I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14-day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no. He's given us a 45-day free trial at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever, so go get it now. NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Well, I want to wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, gosh. You know, um, it was an old Jack Welch book because I used to work at GE. Um, got straight from the gut is something I, I really liked that I used to uh, know Jack when I worked at GE. This was you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, but just an awesome leader. And, you know, obviously he's got a, a great track record. And um, um, so that's probably one of my, my favorites. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? You know, I, I do follow, you know, I, of course, follow Mark Benioff. Um, you know, Jobs was, uh, you know, one of my favorites, but, uh, of course, a lot of people's. And um, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, Jeff Immelt at GE is, you know, I worked directly for him when I was there, and uh, he, he was phenomenal. He's just stepped on, uh, of course. But, um, and then... Um, no, I've always been impressed with, you know, the folks at Google and what they're doing and how they're innovating and continue to innovate, especially at a large scale. Mm-hmm. If Google comes to you uh, tomorrow and offer, offers you $1.4 billion for the company, do you sell? You know, it's an interesting number for sure. <laughs> it's certainly be contemplated, you know, but it's also about what does it mean? Like, what does it mean for the company and the employees and, you know, and the vision going forward? Because that's important to me. Yeah. I mean, we have a really strong culture here. And um, you know, I'd love to see 
demand base, whether we're a public company or inside a larger business, how do, how do we flourish and kind of still take what we're doing to the whole other level? What is your, I'm, let me, I'm curious kind of your situation in life right now. Hold on, how old are you? Uh, 51. 51. And married, single, do you have kiddos? I do have kids, uh, divorced. Okay. How, how young is your youngest? Uh, he's 13. Okay. And my daughter is about 15. Okay. So you're out of the like sleepless night stage, but you're in the like, you know, dramatic teenager stage. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of drama. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Uh, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, probably six, seven. Okay. And uh, last question. Well, one of the last questions here. Uh, what's your favorite online tool? Maybe something like, you know, acuity scheduling. Oh gosh, favorite online tool. Um, I know you asked this to me before. Do you, um, do you remember what your answer was? No, I don't recall. I'd have to um, go look it up. Slack a lot in, okay. internally, and that's that's been great. And uh, we're finding ways to integrate our stuff with Slack. We actually have built integrations of our technology into Slack, which our SDR team uses. But I think that's been a really great uh, communication tool for our company. All right, Chris, take us home here. Take us back 31 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Let's see. You know, people start companies for the wrong reasons. They they start companies because they don't want to work for anybody else. <laughs> and you know what you quickly realize is when you start a company, you're working for everyone ever, everyone else. <laughs> you're working for your employees. You're working for their families. And uh, so that would be my advice to any 20 year old that is you know looking to set out and be an entrepreneur. Don't start a company just to not work for somebody else. From Chris, he's done it before. He's doing it again. Demand-based, really leading the account-based marketing space, growing even at their size at a really impressive rate, or at least target rate, 50% really year over year, uh, between 400 and 600 customers, $156 million raised, about 60-ish of that coming just recently. Uh, well over $75 bucks in ARR with a target of a, breaking that magical $100 million mark here in 2017, 110% uh, net revenue expansion year over year, team growing 250 to 300 now, super healthy uh, split uh, between folks all around the world, all around the US. Chris, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you, appreciate it.